I have to admit, there's absolutely nothing more uncomfortable for me than to read the lives of the saints. It's like every time I feel like I'm being good enough, or I'm, you know, have things together in the priesthood, I'll read about a little a priest who went before me, and then I'll feel really bad and tell Jesus I'll give him more. It's actually interesting. One guy, there's one man who I've been seeing around. He starts coming to the church all the time, right? To come pray. And I'll see him just outdoors at times and he'll come and tell me about little miracles that are happening in his life and starts coming to confession all the time. And I'm like, I didn't see you like this before. What happened? And he just looked at me and said, he shook his head and he goes, I read the life of a saint. And it was St. Francis, you know, of all people. It changes you when you do that. And so I thought today I would share with you the life of one particular saint who's been a great influence in my life. Just to tell tell the story, his story. And it's the patron saint of priests, St. John Vianney, the cure of ours. And a patron saint, remember, they're there to show us what you're supposed to look like. So the church took this man and held him up and said, for every diocesan priest, this is what you should strive to be like. So he's obviously a, been a great mentor for my spiritual life for many years. But he lived from 18, 1786 until 1859. And he grew up in France right after the, the devastating effects of the French Revolution. He had to receive his first Holy Communion shut up in his house with all the winds, windows blocked and from a priest hiding in his barn the night before who could finally sneak in at daylight in, in the middle of the night and give him Holy Communion. All the priests were undercover. So all the sacraments of his youth he received from heroic priests who were hiding for their lives, trying to give the sacraments to people. If they were caught, they'd immediately be either put in prison or killed. And so influenced by those kind of people, he said, well, I want to give my life. Felt, he felt called to give his life in the same manner. Um, he went into seminary at about the age of 20, but he was very slow of learning. He was so slow that they gave him a tutor who was 12 years old to teach him the basic lessons. And there's even a story how one time he was so having such a difficult time learning what the kid was trying to tell him that the 12-year-old slapped him across the face and said, you're a lost cause. And he just bent his head and he's like, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm very sorry. But it shows God uses those who are the lost causes of the world to be the greatest lights in the darkness in the future because of his humility. So he was finally ordained a priest. He was kicked out of seminary twice, by the way, because he was so slow. Twice he had to leave and he kept just coming back. And finally they ordained him a priest because there was such a shortage in the priesthood. And they put him in ours. The bishop said, well, at least in ours, in this little village of 200 people, he can't do too much damage there. And so he was sent out there just to kind of fill the place. And when he arrived at the parish, he was surprised to find that the church was in quite disarray. It was very dirty, things were all out of place, the tabernacle was neglected, and worst of all, it was just, it was empty. And the bishop told him before he went there, there's very little love for God in this place. You must put love for God there. That's your job. The small town was known for being extremely laxed in its morals. It had, just for 200 people, had four bars, um, great promiscuity among the the citizens, many people living together outside of marriage, and you know, very few people besides the elderly even went to Mass, especially on the weekends. So he soon became very notorious 
for his homilies. He was a great preacher, and he even recorded his uh, homilies on YouTube back then, so you can still find them online today if, if you go. Uh, someone did read his homilies, so you can actually listen to them. They're, they're great. But he preached about you know, the immorality of the taverns, um, about the public dances that they'd always have because they'd end in sin, and the re- lack of respect shown to God's commandment, especially by not coming to Mass on Sundays. And he'd even... He had received very little money, but he'd go, they'd only have dances when musicians would come from out of town and play. And so he'd go and he'd find the musicians before they entered the town and he'd pay them even more money to stay away, only making the people like him being there that much more. So it was a, it was a great struggle. But he soon became very famous for his confessions. He heard confessions daily up to 18 hours a day on occasions. He had a very great gift of reading souls, and he had a great gift also for giving counsel. So he'd rise around 1 a.m. in the morning and start hearing confessions only to stop to pray his holy hours and to celebrate the Mass. One person was confessing his sins to the cure of ours and heard the story. He began to weep bitterly, and the the penitent said to him, Why are you weeping? These are my sins. The cure of ours said, I am weeping, my son, because you do not weep. You do not see how much, how much, how grave these things you're doing really are. And this is also why he did such austere mortifications in his life. He was asked why he gave such light penances to everybody who came to him. And he said, I give them light penances so I can take the rest upon myself. You know, that's a true shepherd right there. It's Christ who comes... He doesn't come just to condemn sin. He takes the sin upon his own shoulders. That's the lamb being offered. And that's why his mortifications can seem daunting, especially to us in our times. He would cook on Sundays. He'd cook seven potatoes, and he'd have one fresh tomato on that Sunday, but then he'd put the rest on an open cupboard, you know, so just exposed to the oxygen, and he'd eat one a day with a little bit of milk, and so by Saturday, you can imagine what that last potato looked like that had been sitting in the, you know, the cupboard the entire week. And he said that was for the biggest penance for the sinners who would come to Mass on Sunday. You know, so he'd sleep on broken beds. Uh, he wore a hair shirt that oftentimes scratched to the point of drawing a little bit of blood. Um, but perhaps his biggest penance came from the devil himself. He's one of the fewer saints who was actually physically assaulted by the demonic and who molested him on a routine basis. And since he slept so little, often the devil would appear to him at nighttime to try to deprive him of of the little sleep that he was already getting. So it'd be through a lot of noises. So he'd constantly hear like nails being driven to the walls, windows and doors crashing, and even like little vermins running over his face. And so he couldn't sleep. And when prisoners could hear this at times when they were passing by, there's a story about how some of the younger strong men decided to come stay a night with him and so they all had their shotguns with them and they went in there and by noon by midnight they all ran away you know scared because of all the sounds that were going on there he got so accustomed to seeing the devil around that he nicknamed him the old crappen said the old crappen was at it last night again but he said he was always happy when he'd be when he'd have a hard night of suffering because he said it's a sign that there's going to be a great fish tomorrow. There's going to be a great sinner who's going to come back to God. So he always saw it. this was what he had to endure 
in order to bring souls back to God. And at one point, the devil even told him himself, if there were three priests more like you on this earth, my kingdom would be ruined. Just three. With as much as the devil despised him, there were certain parishioners who hated him even more. Uh, Many wrote letters to the bishops along with the priests in the surrounding areas asking for his removal, calling him a fanatic because he refused to compromise according to the times because a lot of the priests in that area of France weren't really preaching according to the gospel as he was. And I thought it was a really funny story. Uh, He offered Mass for a special intention on several occasions a month for 14 years straight for a certain group of parishioners that they'd always given the special intention to pray for. And the special intention was actually that he'd be transferred to another parish and get kicked out of there. So, you know what? He, you know, they just kept going with it. And uh, over the period of 10 years, the parish was slowly converted and soon became actually, before it was just a hole in the wall. No one ever thought about ours having anything special about it except its immorality. Within about 10 to 15 years, it became such a holy site of pilgrimage that princes were coming from across the country just to have confession with them. The women there were known as the most outstanding women of the parish. And men would come there to court women because they said, these are the kind of women we want for our wives. And he did that over 15 years. But one reason he was able to do so much was because he, he believed in his responsibility as a priest and the power that came from his vocation. I'll read a quote that he said once about the priesthood. He said, A priest goes to heaven or a priest goes to hell with a thousand people always behind him, whichever way he goes. Were we to fully realize what a priest on earth is, we would die, not of fright, but of love. Without the priest, the passion and death of our Lord would be of no avail. It is the priest who continues the work of redemption on earth. What use would be a house filled with gold were there no one to open its doors? The priest holds the keys of the treasures of heaven in confession and in the mass. It is he who opens the door. He is the administrator of the Lord's goods. Leave a parish for 20 years without a priest and the people will end by worshiping the beasts. The priest is not a priest for himself. He's a priest only for his people and for God. Lastly, he was really inspired. What's really inspired me by him was his deep devotion to Christ and the Eucharist. Whenever he entered into a church, he said, I throw myself at the foot of the tabernacle like a dog laying before its master. And regarding the Holy Mass, he said, all the good works in the world are not equal to the holy sacrifice of the Mass because all other works are the works of men. But in the Mass, it is the work of God. Martyrdom is nothing in comparison for it, but the sacri- martyrdom is nothing in comparison, for it is but the sacrifice of man to God. But the Mass is the sacrifice of God for man. And on receiving Holy Communion, he'd often say, the first thing about the angels that we ought to imitate is their consciousness of the presence of God. Every consecrated host is made to burn itself up with love within the human heart. So this is just one of the very many great saints that we went that went before us. 
He was an incredible priest, and I pray very much that I could receive even an ounce of his fervor and devotion. But I'd encourage you each, maybe over this next year, just to find one saint, one saint you want to read about, one saint to take as a special protector, someone you want to imitate and learn about, and just read about him little by little over the next year. Few things are more efficacious for our spiritual life than imitating those great ones who came before us. And every single time we go to the Mass, you'll notice two things that's going to happen as I pray the canon of the Mass. We're going to pray to the souls in heaven and to the souls in pur- for the souls in purgatory. So it's in the Mass that we all become one with them so that we who are the church militant on earth receiving their grace and their intercession can one day join them in heaven forever.